Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Lord, your word is becoming more and more precious. The deeper we go in you, the more precious your word becomes. The harder we follow after you, the more precious your word becomes. It truly is, Lord, the bread of life. It's our substance. It's what keeps us alive spiritually. So, Father, the anointing's here. The unction's here. Just help me to flow with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I thinking about what I'm going to share this morning. You know, as a, as a church right now, we're in a season of hearing some very weighty word. Right? We're in the season of hearing some very weighty word. Now, by weight, you know, the, you hear, you'll hear people when they hear a sermon and go, wow, that was heavy. It's not a heavy word. It's a weighty word. There's a big difference. There's a difference in, in, a, in a word being a heavy word. It leads more towards conviction. It leads more, but a, but a weighty word is something that settles down on you and you think about it. it. It's in here, and it's gotten from here to here, and it's something that you really meditate, you're meditating on this word constantly. And, and we're, we're getting a great dose of that, folks. I mean, Pastor Sean's in his uh, series on sanctification. Uh, even Wednesday night when he started into 1 John. That's some weighty, weighty word. But you know what? If you're going to go deeper, the deeper you go, the weightier the word's going to get. I'm sorry. I wish to, well, no, I'm not. I, I take that back. I'm not sorry. Um, but it does. The, the, the more intense you get in your walk with God, the weightier his word is going to be. But then again, like, like the word we gave a couple weeks ago, when you come into a season and, and you're going to a greater measure of faith and you're going to a major, major, a, another measure of glory, the word's going to get weightier to you. It's going to be more, it's going to weigh on you more. And so, I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning about the real life application of agape. The real life application of agape. We're going to start the scripture we've been, we've been kind of starting with, 1 Peter 2.21, for this were you called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, you realize that's not a request. Hello? That's not a request. If you're going to follow Christ's example, you will follow in his steps. That's that's. That's just how it is. Think about it. And if you, 
Think about it, especially if you, if, if you have a son and he's small. What's one thing he tries to do more than anything else? He tries to follow in dad's steps. And we have to realize that, that because God's dealing with us the way he's dealing with us and speaking to us the way he's speaking to us, it serves a twofold purpose of making the word more valuable to us and also teaching us. Um, my grandson, Judah, uh, starts to work for Langless Construction tomorrow. So he called me. Grandpa, Grandpa, I need a tool belt. And so... Uh, luckily, I had someone sitting in the room with me that said, this is a teaching moment. Do not waste it. And that wasn't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and she was, she, was, she was right, dead right. And so I, I had a few little things I, I gave him. So I said, come on, get in the truck. We're going to Harbor Freight. And I proceeded to go down and say, you need that, you need this, you need this, you need this. You need two of those. And, you need, yeah. and so we, we made up, and he's, you know, putting it all, went over to, to Lowe's and found him a nice tool belt. And so we're walking out the door. And I said, Judah, you know, I said, I could have bought all of this for you. And I said, it wouldn't, wouldn't, I wouldn't harm me a bit. I said, it could have bought every bit of this for you. He said, well, Grandpa, I wasn't expecting that. But I said, you know what? I said, because you paid for them. Because you paid for them, you're going to protect them better than having somebody just give them to you. You're going to make sure that you take care of your tools. You're going to make sure, sure that they're in good shape. At, and you take care of them, I said, because you know what? When you have to replace one, it's coming out of your pocket. And because you're paying for these things, you're going to treat them better. It's the same with the things we get in the spirit. You know, God could have made this very easy for us. He just could have dumped it all on us and said, here, there you go. See you in heaven. You know. But no, he wanted us to understand the value of him. He wanted us to understand how valuable what he did for us is. And so, as, you, as we read these things and as we go through these things and this is, hearing this kind of word is going to continue for us, folks, because we've asked God to take us to a greater measure, a, for, a, a greater measure of grace and glory. And so we're going to keep hearing these words, and they're going to be weighty words. But we have to understand what God's doing. We have to understand that God's preparing us so that we can, are, we can function and be successful in the next measure of faith. So this is one of them. The real application of faith, the real life application of, of agape. You know, there are things that you, you can get a good grasp on theoretically 
and you can understand the theory of it. But you go to a whole different level when you have to take that theory and put it into application, and you have to apply it. It, it goes off the paper, it goes off, off the pages, and it, <laughs> it's staring you right in the face. That's the case of what we're going to talk about. I want you to go with me to the book of Philemon. Right after Titus, which is right after 2 Timothy, which is right after 1 Timothy. It's actually, the um, Philemon is actually the second shortest book in the Bible, I believe. Um but when the Lord took me to this and I started reading it, I was like, oh, shoot. Here we go. So I'm just, I just want to read it to you. Uh, background on this. Uh, this was not a letter that was written to a church. This was written to a man named Philemon. He was the house leader of a church in Colossae. So he was part, or not Colossae, excuse me. Um, yeah, it was, uh, was it Colossae? I don't remember now. But uh, I'll, I got it in my notes. But anyway, it's a house eater. And it was in the area where Paul had ministered to. And uh, so it was Colossae. Colossae, he was, you know, I'm going back. I still don't know what it is. But... Uh, yeah, it was Colossae, because he was, uh, I just read it. But anyway, here's the thing. Uh, he was a house leader, and Paul was writing him about a man that had been his slave and had ran away and had some, some way encountered Paul. And so Paul was writing Philemon a letter on, on, on behalf of the slave whose name was Onesimus. And so here's what Paul says. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brethren. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Appia and Ar Archippus, fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from our Lord, Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God making mention of you always in my prayers. That was kind of a, a, a signature statement of Paul's. You read his letters, and he, he says that a lot. I thank God for you always making mention of you in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, I... I Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appealed to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, which I have begotten while in chains, 
who once was unprofitable for you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. You may therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good need not be by compulsion, but as it were, voluntarily. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer a slave, but more, a slave, more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you then count me as partner, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you or, any, or, or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing this letter with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you would do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare me a guest room, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. I'm going to stop there. So, what is, what's the combination? What, what's the connection here between what we're, we've been talking about, agape, a more excellent way, and what Paul is, is writing to Philemon about here? Being wronged, being offended, is an unfortunate fact of life, isn't it? Been around before very long. Somebody's going to do something that's going to flip your trigger and flip the switch. And you're going to get angry. You're going to get offended if you're walking in your flesh. So we, we can't get around it. There's, there's a couple of scriptures I read and... and I'm going to share them with you here real quick. Jesus said, and this is out of the Amplified, and, and I'm gonna, I got a lot of work, scriptures, so we're just going to shoot through them and, and write them down. You can go back and look at them. Luke 17:1 in the Amplified said, Jesus said to his disciples, stumbling blocks or temptations and traps set to lure one to sin are sure to come. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, it's coming. He says, but woe, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. Matthew 18, 7, in the New King James, just says this, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses come. So Jesus You, you can't really go to the Lord and say, I didn't know that was coming. Because if you read the word, you know it's coming. At some point, you're going to come into conflict with someone. And you got to know how to react. You have to know how to react 
when you come into conflict with somebody. If you react as the world reacts, then you're going to walk in a lot of different things. You're going to walk in bitterness. You'll walk in unforgiveness. You'll walk even in hatred. And all of that jeopardizes your witness and your testimony. Don't think that people aren't watching you. Don't think that people aren't observing you. Don't think people will push you to the point and then say, wow, I didn't think Christians act that way. It's going to happen. It has to happen. If we act out of our flesh, then we're going to jeopardize our witness. We're jeopardizing our testimony. We're jeopardizing, and we're giving people a warped idea of who Jesus is. But if we walk in the Spirit, and we, and we react according to the Spirit, we glorify God. And we point men to the Savior who can make a difference in their lives. The test of our faith is our ability to love others as Jesus loves them, unconditionally, unreservedly, wholeheartedly, not just the ones we think deserve it. Not just the people we think, well, okay, I can love them. They've been cool, so we're good. I can love them. It's, it's loving the people that really you don't know anything about. It's loving people that you can see standing alongside the road with one of those cardboard signs and hear the Holy Spirit prick your heart. That happened to us yesterday coming out of Costco. There was a guy standing there. And I knew Holy Spirit said, hey, help him out. So Kathy rolled down the window, gave him some money. And I looked at him and I said, hey, remember something today. He said, what's that? I said, Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you. And he said, I'm struggling with that right now, man. He said, my wife just passed away from cancer. I said, oh, brother. I said, I know right where you're at. But I said, you know what? It doesn't change the fact Jesus loves you. And I do, we do this because he tells us to. And if he was here, this is what he would do for you. Have a good day. Au revoir. See, we have to become more aware. I, this is not, a, I'm, I haven't started yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that clock back 20 minutes, Josh. Let's start our Lord. No, seriously. We have to be really concerned about, we should be concerned about how our witness and what our witness is. Philemon was, was he, he was acquainted with the theoretical aspect of agape. He had a theoretical understanding about it. He had a, a church in his house. He was a actually one of the, the, the spiritual leaders of the church at Colossae. And no doubt, he had seen the letter that Paul had written to the Colossian church. 
He probably, I'm, I'm sure he had. It was, this was written after the, the Colossians, so I'm, a couple years. So this guy had seen that letter, and he had probably even read it to his house church. Probably a pretty good, I can't tell you that for certain, but it's a pretty good assumption to make that he probably read, even read this to his church. So he, he, he had read things to this church like, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. That's Colossians 3.12 in the, in the New Living Translation. So he had heard this. He had read this. He had even read this to his people. So in the theoretical aspect of this, he understood agape. He understood he understood theoretically the steps. You gotta forgive. You gotta love. But he was getting, <laughs> he was getting uh, going to real quick here, get a a big dose of the reality of agape. Paul's purpose in writing this letter was not just to get Anisimus set free. That was. If you look at it on the surface, that's what was happening. But his purpose, he had a purpose in this for Philemon too. And that was to make Philemon a specimen of agape love. To make him a specimen of agape love. It was to call him, you know, look at this. This guy's a leader of the church, so this isn't some bad guy. This isn't some cranky old guy that's walking around all the time wishing he could smack people. You know, that's this guy, he said, if you read there in verse 3, he says, talks about hearing the love that Philemon had for other people. And that, that, that word there, the, love, the word for love there is agape. He said, you're, you're, you're functioning in agape. I can see it because of the way you treat your brethren. But see what Paul was doing was he was trying to get Philemon into a greater measure of that love. It was to call him to a greater de degree of love to make him an example that others could follow. I'll bet you everybody in that house church knew that, uh, that Philemon had had a runaway slave. And they were watching. They were observing. And so you and I have to understand when God calls us to love somebody that has wronged us, when God's calling us to love somebody that's wronged us, it's not punitive. It's not saying, well, you didn't do this. But guess what? Now you've got to love somebody that you don't like. It's to have us seen as a real-life application of the love of God. Real life. Real stuff. 
His purpose was to see Philemon's faith become more effectual. You can read it there when he what's he say in verse 6? That the sharing of your faith may become more effective. You can talk to people about Jesus till the cows come home. But what you do, how you relate to people, will tell them more about Jesus than what you say. I don't know about you, but I've worked with some of these people, and they just stretch me. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. And the next, next moment, they're spewing the filth of hell out of their mouth, and you're, you're in your mind, you're going, would you please just shut up? Because here you are trying to, trying to win people to the Lord, and here's this knucklehead over there that is just throwing obstacles in your way as quick as he can get them out of his mouth. Or they tell you they love Jesus, and they're some of the crankiest people you know. And I know you've probably had the same thing in witness to somebody and, and, and trying to share faith with somebody and have them say this to you. Well, I know Christians, and I don't see any difference. I, I, I know Christian people say that they, and they'll point to these people out to you. Well, they say they're a Christian, but I don't see anything different in them. And so when we go through these things, God is trying to get us to be a greater example of his who he is expressing his love and using us to express that to people in the way that he wants us to express. His purpose was to see Philemon's faith become more effectual. That word effectual means energized. Not just an act of sympathy, but a vigorous action for which promotes a more powerful display of Christian character. I tell you, I, effective. It means energized. It means not just an act of sympathy. You're not doing things just out of sympathy for somebody or generosity for somebody. But you're putting forth a vigorous or a a a, what's the other word I want? Just a vigorous action that is promoting a more powerful display of Christian character. That's what God's after. That's what he wants from us. That's how he wants us to walk. You go on here, and down in verse 6, he talks about... Uh, Becoming more effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Uh, you look at that phrase, and, and the King James itself uses this phrase, the communication of your faith, or the, the communion of your faith. And if you look at that word, it's, it's related back to almsgiving. It's related back to giving. So Paul was presenting Philemon with this concept, and he was, 
he was presenting it to him as an opportunity to give. He was presenting Philemon with this opportunity that was giving, sacrificial. Not just an act of generosity. He was actually giving Philemon the opportunity to allow other people to partake of the fruit produced by his action of walking in love. Do you realize this morning that when you, when you walk like this, you're actually becoming a place where other people can partake of the fruit of what's taking place in you? Huh? You're, 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 you're being allowed for, you're like a fruit tree. That somebody can pass by and see the fruit on it and take a piece of that fruit off and enjoy the, the, produce, the produce of that tree. It's not there just to make that tree look pretty. That tree has no authority and right to hang on to that fruit himself and say, hey, what, what, what old movie was uh, The Wizard of Oz? Remember when Dorothy went to take an a apple off the tree and the, apple sla the tree slapped her hand? Those are my apples. <laughs> Come on, that's what we do in the spirit. Somebody comes along and they want to partake of some of the, and they want to be, have some of the produce of, of what's happening in us. And we're like, yeah, that's not for you. This is for me. I didn't have that in my notes. I, that's, that was just. <laughs> Philemon did not have any trouble loving the saints. It says it right here. He didn't have any trouble loving the saints. He didn't have any, legal, any trouble stepping out and doing something for someone who was part of his church. But here, Paul was exhorting Philemon to step in a great, into a greater measure of manifesting the spiritual grace of agape. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you out of this, and I'm going to get you to this level, Philemon, where the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. I think Pastor Sean said it Wednesday night. You cannot have love without faith. I think that's how you say it, wouldn't it? Faith without love. You can't have it. You can't have faith without love. Go back and read, and you, you look at uh, 2 Corinthians. Wow, this time. I now abides faith, hope, and love. It's like a tripod. You, you ever tried take, setting up a tripod when one of the, one of the legs don't work? It, it doesn't work. So he was tried leading from the level of agape he was operating in into a greater measure that would lead to a more powerful, effective witness. John Gill, he was a Puritan preacher, said this, there cannot be true faith where love is wanting. Works by love, and there cannot be real love. For faith works by love, and there cannot be real love where there is not faith. They only love the saints aright who love them in the faith. 
And because of it, all these graces are visible and made to be known by their fruit. So when God's dealing with us about this stuff, guys, it's to take us to a greater measure. It's to make us play a place where people can partake of the fruit that's taking place in our life. They're, they're affected by it. They're touched by it. When you display it in your home, your spouse partakes of it. Your children partake of it. So I want to get real quick into here. There's three, three requests in, in this letter that, that, that Paul made of Philemon. The first request Paul made of him, he said, receive him. Receive him. And you can go, uh, he says it in verse, actually, he says it twice. He says it in verse 12, and he says it in verse 17. And he says this in verse 12. He said, I'm sending him back to you. This is in the Phillips translation. I'm sending him back to you. Will you receive him as my son, part of me? And then verse 17 in, in, in the New Living Testament says, so consider me your partner. Welcome him as you would have welcomed me. So the first thing Paul's asking Philemon, he says, now, now you got to remember something here. In this whole process, Philemon had not done anything wrong. When Paul, when Philemon's reading this letter, he says, he's probably, I know what I'd be thinking. Why are you writing this to me? I didn't do anything. Now, I know none of you think that way when it comes to dealing with somebody. This is for all you online. <laughs> but when God comes to you and starts dealing with you about somebody that's just flipped your switch, and, you're th and he begins to talk to you about love, and you're thinking to yourself, why are you coming to me? I did not do anything. I did not bring this on in any way, shape, or form. I was just going on my merry way serving you, and now this happens, but yet here you are up in my grill about this. I didn't even do anything. And Paul says, you receive him. This word receive, it means to take to oneself or to take by the hand to grant someone access to your heart to be reconciled. Ouch. So what Paul is asking Philemon to do, he says, Philemon, I want you to 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 Take Onesimus back. I'm sending him back to you, and I want you to receive him just like you would receive me. He's part of my heart now. <laughs> Listen, when we start dealing with people, and we start having our, our getting our little attitudes about people because they just they didn't like the color of my shirt, or you know, I whatever. And God says, receive them. Let them and take them into your heart. Because they are a part of my heart. 
ouch. That don't go good on our flesh to think that God's asking us to love somebody that has done something so wrong, but yet God's telling us, you're doing this because they're a part of my heart and because you're part of my heart. So you're, you're, taking, you're taking them and you're receiving them because you're doing this for me. You're doing this in my stead. You're going to receive them just like you would receive me. You're going to receive that one that has wronged you, and you're going to let them become, you're going to give them part of your heart, just like you would to me. How? So Paul was asking Philemon to receive Onesimus, not because he deserved it, but because he was part of Paul's heart. It's the same message we receive from the Father. We are, are to love. Not because somebody deserves it. Because we can find all kinds of excuses, especially when it's somebody that's treated us so badly. We can come up with a myriad of reasons why they don't deserve it. But Jesus said they're mine, so they deserve it. Because the person we are being asked to love is a part of his heart too. The second request he made of Philemon was change your opinion about Onesimus. Change your opinion about him. Verse 11, he says this. I got to hurry. In verse 11, he says, at one time he was of no use to you, but now he is of use to you and to me. And then he goes down again in verse 16, and he says this, and this is in the New Living Testament, he is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in Christ. So the second thing that he, he was wanting Philemon to do was he, he was wanting, he said, you need to change your opinion about this guy. You need to change the way you look at him and the way you think about him. Paul was saying that because Philemon was a man of faith and love, he must forget about what Onesimus was and embrace what he had become. Oh. Man, we as Christians, we like, to, we like to keep a hold of things, don't we? Back to when Paul was talking about releasing him. He was wanting Philemon to set Onesimus free from the obligation that he had to Philemon. He was trying, wanting him to be set free from that obligation. We're just not that way. For the most part, we want people to stay obligated to us, especially people that have wronged us. We want them to stay obligated to us. We want them to keep this fresh in their mind. You hurt him. What are you going to do about it? We don't want to release them from the obligation. But see, when you walk in agape, you're releasing them. 
You're not seeing them at that at the way that they were. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know how Holy Spirit is dealing with them. He's being asked to release Onesimus from his obligation of slavery and embrace him now as a brother in Christ. And it's the same message for you and I. We have to change our opinions about people. We got to start looking at people through, the, through Jesus' eyes, through the eyes of the Father. And quit looking at them the way that we, we want to look at them because of what they've done, what they've said, what they did. If they've repented of it, it's, a done, it's, it's over, it's done, it's past. Here's the issue believers face. We don't know how the Holy Spirit is moving in someone's life, especially someone who is wrong. We don't know what's going on in them. We don't know what God is dealing with them about. The flesh wants to keep them captive to us. It wants to keep them obligated to us. And I wrote this, we must not hinder the work of grace that may be taken in someone else's heart let alone the work of grace that's being done in our own heart. I don't want to find myself in a place where I am hindering the work of grace in somebody else's heart because I'm still wanting to look at them and deal with them like they were. Any person, and Adam Clark said this, any person obeying the gospel of Christ becomes the brother of the beloved of every other Christian to whom all the rights, honors, privileges, and love of Christian fellowship is due to them because it is a right derived to them from the Lord. So we can't, we might, we can't hinder grace. And then I'll, I'll stop with this. The last request that Paul made of Philemon, he said, do it for the right reason. Receive him. Change your opinion of him, but do it for the right reason. Paul was exhorting Philemon to walk in a greater grace and a greater measure of the spiritual grace of agape. Paul said, I, I, could, I could use my apostolic authority and I could command you to do this. I could tell you, you, you're a church leader. Get it together. Do this. He said, I, I could do that. He said, but Paul knew that if he did that, Philemon would be acting from obligation and not from his heart. Paul wanted him that the, to understand that the reason for doing so had to be the love of God shed abroad in his heart. He wanted the action to be based on and for the sake of the love that had been shown to him. Believe it or not, we do this sometimes. We'll forgive somebody, if you can really call it that. But we're doing it because, all I know if I don't do this, my prayers aren't going to be answered. If I don't do this, I know this. If we don't do this, I'm not, you know, God's not going to do this, you know. So I guess I just better get it out of the way and get it over with. 
Do you ever remember going to your kids? They're fighting. And you tell them, now tell each other you're sorry. <laughs> what usually happens? They're, they're saying sorry on the outside, but they ain't saying it inside. <laughs> they're saying sorry, but they just ain't feeling it. Folks, we do the same thing in the spirit. We'll say, we'll say this. I'll, I'll forgive him, but I won't forget. Actually, that's, that's, that's true. What you should do, if you're doing it in the spirit, you will love them and still be able to remember what they did. But you'll still be able to love them. You'll still be able to function in the love of God. If Paul had demanded it, then Philemon's good deed would have come by compulsion, not voluntary. This would make the whole affair unpleasant. This is a commentary I read. And robbed Philemon of any reward he had otherwise might have had. Essentially, Paul gave Philemon the freedom to do what was right in love before the Lord. And he gave him the freedom to do it on his own choice and not from Paul's compulsion. Choice. 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 We choose to do this. Not because of what we're going to get, not because of what we're going to receive, but because Jesus said, that person is part of me. I redeemed them. I saved them. I pulled them out of sin. We're not condoning what they did, but we're saying despite of that, despite of what they've done, Father, I'm going to put this application of agape into real life. Uh, this, is, this is real stuff here. And every time it happens, we have the opportunity to walk in a greater measure of the grace of agape the spiritual truth of this thing. But God always leaves it up to us, doesn't he? Hey, here's your chance. Let's see what you do with it. You'll decide, not me. So, this is a tough one. This is a weighty word. I have I've felt the weight of this all week because I know what's going on in my own heart. And how I have to deal with this in situations in my own heart. I, and it just came up again yesterday. And I'm thinking, God, Father, the, the weightiness of this word is that I, I don't have a choice of whether I'm going to walk in this or not. If I'm going to walk with you, I don't have a choice. It's not an option. You said, if you love me, you'll love my brethren. If you love me, you'll love people. They'll see it. It'll be there. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.